Final hour, Bill Michaels show. Good to have you. Appreciate you taking a listen to us. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. You know, here's the thing, and people are going back and talking about all the different defensive coordinators and all the names we brought up, and they're finding a game that, that they got beat. You know, Jim Leonard sucks. He got shredded by Bielema. You know, he, you know, Rex Ryan sucks. He got shredded by, by Bill Belichick. Rivera sucks. He got shredded by, you know, it, look. So, okay, instead of finding fault with everybody so far, tell me who you want. Tell me who you want. This is what I said. Remember my opening statement, Grant, was one guy's going get, to get hired. There's going to be a small group of people that are going to love it, and then you're going to have all the naysayers and the finger pointers say, this guy sucks because they want to be right. Remember that? So tell me who you want, Al Harris or Jim Leonard, Dom says. Al Harris. Tell me why. Al Harris has never been a defensive coordinator before. He's been a defensive backs coach, got his first opportunity under Mike, Mike McCarthy. Tell me why. And, and, and this is this is the issue that I have. It's like there's a few names that are out there that are big names, that are good names, that have had track records of success. Ron Rivera, when you look at that situation in Washington, that's been a mess. Daniel, he held it together when Daniel Snyder was taking that thing down like the Titanic. When Snyder was playing games with the owners, was playing games with Roger Goodell, he was going after the commissioner's office. I mean, all these different things. So he, he, that thing was a mess, and Ron kind of held it together. Didn't have the greatest of talent either. So who do you think would be the best? Joshua says Vrabel, Leonard, Rivera, any of those guys would be good. Uh, Dom says it's because he can relate to the defensive backs, learn to Quinn's scheme, and then it's not a bad scheme. Okay. Paul says the opposite. Al Harris sucks. Matt LaFleur uh, ate up his D-backs, recycled them, ate them again. Okay. Gene says got to go with Rivera. Um, Bert uh, Vrabel, because he is uh, has the relations with Matt LaFleur. It would only probably be a year or two, though. This is from Jack, who says, I'd like to see them get outside of the norm, and rather than retreading the old names over and over again, find somebody in, uh, that's an up-and-comer and new with better ideas. Uh, winning Gambler says, Vrabel or Ron, uh, Ron Rivera, definitely better than what we had. Uh, I'm not going to get into the whole Jordan Love thing. There was a lot of people that didn't, didn't think Jordan Love was the guy. And midseason, I'll say this. Uh, where's where's that? Uh, Brett, you didn't either. You didn't either. You didn't think he was the guy. There was a lot of doubt about Jordan Love. You know, the whole thing about, oh, no, I knew it all the time. You're so full of crap. You're so full of crap. I Don't even open your mouth because people will smell your ass. You're so full of it. Uh, because there was a lot of people that didn't think Jordan Love was the guy midseason. Um, this is from Jake, who says, uh, 
What about the guy from San Francisco you were talking about? You know, again, there's a lot of different names that are being bandied about. And uh, Johnny Holland was a guy that I was talking about from San Francisco. Johnny Holland, uh, you know, it's come out that he's dealing with, and as we know, he's dealing with some cancer. But it hasn't stopped him from being a coach. I don't know how serious – I mean, I would assume if it's serious enough that he's not going to be coaching. But he's still there. They're still showing him on the sideline. At least they have been. So I don't know what it is he is and isn't dealing with. You know, coach, I mean, Ron Rivera dealt with cancer. Ron Rivera had it. And he had it while he was a head coach. So I, I don't know what has to happen for a coach to not be considered for a coaching spot. I would assume if he's got a shot at a defensive coordinator position, that would be taken into consideration, but it would still be where, hey, if you can do the job, you can do the job. I'm not going to take it away from him because of that. Uh, but I look, I'm not I'm I gave you my list. I said, "Hey, there's four, five, six guys that are out there that are probably on the short list at this point that you can look at and say, "Yeah, maybe this guy would be good." You know, who knows? Maybe this guy would be good. But nobody has come up with a list of more names that said, "Oh, this is the guy." But this this is what I mean. Defensive coordinators and it very well could be Jim Leonard wants the job, but who wants the job when you're already being just criticized by three-quarters of the majority to say you suck because they want to be right? They want their guy. I, who wants that job? This job is a lot more attractive now than it was six weeks ago. I, I will right. say that. You're always in a tough spot when you are the opposite coordinator to the head coach. That's always a tough spot to be in because when things don't go well, you're typically the one that's blamed. But this team right. is now seen as Matt LaFleur's got a grip on. He's just starting his tenure in Green Bay. This team is just getting started, whereas six or seven weeks ago, it's like, man, if it's not good next year, maybe Matt LaFleur is on the hot seat and then any defensive right. coordinator that joined him would be too. So it's, it's a lot better. It's a lot more attractive than it was six weeks ago. I guess that's a silver lining. Uh, this is from uh, Chris who said, who was the guy from the Ravens that you were talking about? That would have been Zach Orr. Zach Orr is the, the linebackers coach there. And there's a lot, he gets a lot of praise for the way that defense has stepped up, specifically the way he's coached up Patrick Queen too. Um, and, and really kind of made him more relevant. So he, he gets a lot of credit for that. That's another guy that I was talking about. So you got Johnny Holland, the 49ers linebackers coach, Zach Orr. We talked about Leonard, there's Al Harris, Mike Vrabel, Ron Rivera, on and on and on. A lot of names to throw around out there. But this is what I'm talking about. It's like you start talking and, and just watch the live stream and all the naysayers. This guy sucks. That guy sucks. You can't do this. Uh, this guy got chewed up by this guy. I mean, look, there is not a defensive coordinator out there. Not one. Not one that hasn't been at some point or another shredded, whether it's because of injury, whether it's because that other team just had a great scheme, whether it's he didn't have the personnel to match up with what it is the opponent had. But you look at the guy that have had su sustained success over the years, that, has ha that have had good quality defenses in the top ten, and has fought through injuries and fought. You know, they found talent, but they, they've just consistently been good defensive play callers. And if you want to go pick out a game, well, then you're a moron. You just are. Because then you're looking at a game and not a career. You know? Look at look at the best defense in the league this year was San Francisco. Right? They got shredded by Baltimore. Does that make them a terrible defense? No, of course not. Of course not. They got beat by Cincinnati. Hell, they got beat by Minnesota. 
Does it make them terrible? No, they still ended up with one of the best defenses in the National Football League. In today's day and age, I don't think there is a defense out there that doesn't have a just a bad matchup at some point. But at least give them a chance, for God's sakes. Holy mackerel. And who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe the the fact is that the defense, when the new coordinator gets here, whoever that may be, maybe that defense isn't as talented as what we were led to believe. Right? 877-867-1670. You want to hit us up? Do it. Go ahead and give us a shout. Um, and this one is, who's this from? This is from Justin. Justin says, uh, I think people need to give an opportunity to a new defensive coordinator to show his wares before you start criticizing the guy. Uh, oh, it's basically kind of what I said. Let's go to Rick, listening to us in Madison. Rick, how you doing today? What's going on, man? Hey, Bill. I, I'm enjoying your conversation about the defensive coordinator. I, I don't have any specific name in mind, but I would say, what we really need is someone who's going to be more aggressive, who can make adjustments, and given the youth of our defense, someone who's a good teacher, someone who can really instruct people. So given those criteria, I know I looked at the names on the list. Some of them I don't know. Who do you think would fit the bill the best? Um, if I had to look at a name that I had on my list, uh, I would probably say the first guy that you would look at if he's not going to get a head coaching job is, well, they've got a relationship with Vrabel, and Vrabel, the guys down in Tennessee, loved him. Uh, the guys in Washington loved Ron Rivera. They loved him as a head coach. They had a lot of respect for him. It was just time. So those are the two names that jump off the page at me. Uh, if you're going to find another guy that has a lot of respect – you know, I don't know some of these guys personally. I don't know what's been said about them. I'm only going by what's been read that, you know, when you start to look at all these assistant coaches and, and say, linebackers, coaches and such, and you say, okay, who's really excelled? Who You know, but like for years, it would be Eric Bieniemy was a guy that was destined for a head coaching job. Why he didn't get it, we have no idea. But they kept saying, like, look, he works so well with Patrick Mahomes, works so well with Andy Reid, works so well as the day-to-day guy, and the guys loved him. You knew Eric Bieniemy was going to eventually be something, an offensive coordinator somewhere, and, and that ultimately happened. You heard about that. Johnny Holland, same thing out in San Francisco. He's the guy that a lot of guys love. They've rallied around. So maybe that's a guy that you would go after. But the, the top two candidates in my mind would be Ron Rivera and, and Mike Vrabel, but there's a lot of things pulling at both guys in opposite directions. But if you can get them here, I would be, uh, I would be ecstatic because those are guys that not only have organizational skills to be able to say, hey, I've ran an entire team, but now you figure they've got enough to where if they just have to run the defense, then they would be that much better at it. And you've seen head coaches before that have left head coaching positions to take coordinators role, and they've had a lot of success. So uh, I would not be adverse to that at all. I appreciate the phone call. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to uh, give, you, give your opinion, by all means, go ahead and do so. Um, this, is from, uh, this is from Chris. Chris says, uh, not a lot of experience out there as far as the defensive coordinator goes with Johnny Holland. Uh, yeah, but everybody has to start somewhere, right? Are you looking at this well-polished, well-oiled machine on defense right now? Right? 
I mean, Matt LaFleur was an offensive coordinator. Mike Holmgren was a quarterback's coach and an offensive coordinator. You know, everybody started somewhere. You know, you just don't wake up one day and come into the National Football League as a defensive coordinator. You, you, You work your way up. I mean, there have been guys that have been quality control assistants starting out with teams as a kid, you know. I, it, it is what it is. My money, by the way, at this point, before we talk to Chuck and, and probably move on to other things while we're talking Packers defensive coordinator, I'd bet it's somebody that we've never heard of. That, that, that would right. be the smart bet. I know we're all talking about you know Jim Leonard and Wink Martindale is available. I bet it's someone yeah. we've never heard of. Has, has Wink Martindale <laughs> officially separ- separated from the Giants now? Yes. I'm not entirely sure. There was a lot of drama there, and, but right. yeah, they, they went their separate ways. Yeah, Wing Martindale I would even appreciate. I mean, his defenses have not played poorly. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, and I think Packers fans were, we need to remember this. There's lots of ways to call a successful defense. If you blitz a ton, or if you're maybe a little bit more conservative, you can get beat, and you can beat opponents lots of different ways. I don't think there's any scheme or any strategy that should be off the table. It's about their vision and the way they're going to lead and the way they're going to kind of build a culture on that side of the ball. It's not that scheme doesn't matter, but you can win lots of different ways in the NFL. No, I I would agree with that. Um, I, I, the question is, can you find a coordinator who has philosophically similar beliefs of the talent that you have? Do you find a 3-4 guy, a 4-3 guy? Do you find a guy that's better with secondary? Do you find a guy that's better with guys up front in the trenches? Uh, the use of talent, rotation of talent. I mean, you. It, it's I, – I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the qualifications are to hire a defensive coordinator. I just go by the names that have had success. Don, Ron Rivera's had success as a defensive coordinator. Vrabel was very good as well. That's the reason they ended up getting the head coaching jobs, and that's the reason they ended up hiring offensive guys as well to run those teams. But – They've had success in the past. So, but there's always going to be a guy that, you know, comes in and, you know, sets the world on fire. Different, I mean, nobody knew who Mike McDaniel was for a long time. Nobody, I mean, still today, if you say Mike McDaniel, there's people that don't even know who the hell he is. But he's this, my, this savant mind of offense uh, who became the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And he looks like he just crawled out of mom's basement. You know, it, it just nobody knew who he was, but he just worked his way up very I, slowly. I thought you were talking about the lead singer of the Doobie Brothers. I, I didn't even know who Mike. <laughs> uh, not to cut you off again, there's a little bit of breaking news. I think this is mostly interesting. Tom Silverstein reporting that Matt LaFleur has fired the conditioning coach, the strength and conditioning coach uh, of the Packers, who I didn't wow. I didn't even know who his name was. And I think most Packers fans also didn't know. But I know many fans have been frustrated. So Matt LaFleur is aggressive this offseason. He wants to reshape Chris some Gizzy. things. Yep. Chris Gizzy, if I'm not mistaken, was the strength and conditioning coach. Remember, Gizzy was the guy that ran out of the tunnel with the flag held high right after 9-11. He's that guy. Um, he, he was a strength and conditioning assistant for a while and then became their, their strength and conditioning coach. But, you know, again, when you have so many soft tissue injuries – with more than a few guys, you had obviously the soft tissue injury injury, and the, as they said, misdiagnosed injury on Jair. You have a continual injury with Christian Watson. You have a hamstring injury with Aaron Jones. 
you know, guys are coming back from knee issues. Devondre Campbell with the high ankle sprain. That never seemed to get better. You had Rashawn Gary nursing the knee. You had a lot of things that you don't know whether it was strength and conditioning or, or what it was, but maybe they just wanted to go in a different direction because they need better core strength, better soft tissue pre- injury preventative maintenance, so to speak, on some of these guys. Maybe that's what it was. But Chris Gizzi will always be remembered as the guy that ran out of the tunnel. I think it was his brother was in the military at the time. And right after 9-11, when they finally played football again, he was the first guy to come out of the tunnel with the American flag held high and the crowd going crazy at Lambeau Field. And you'll never forget that. That's that's Chris Gizzi. So Chris Gizzi now out. Uh, now out. 877-867-1670. When we come back, we got our buddy Chuck Freeman is going to join us. We're going to talk with him. Uh, about all of this, and if you are, uh, you know, kind of wanting to talk, uh, not about this, but we're going to talk with him about uh, the Milwaukee Brewers from the Lockdown Brewers podcast and about their first base position, about all of that. So we'll get into that discussion. Uh, if you are looking for windows, if you're looking for doors, if you're looking to make your house more economical, more beautiful, more valuable, and something for everybody's budget, that is our friends at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. So if you get a hold of them today, uh, 855-PELLA-WI, that's 855-PELLA-WI, or go to PELLAWI.com, that's PELLAWI.com. Uh, all you got to do is get a hold of them and say, I want to schedule that free in-home consultation, I'm thinking about the windows and doors, and get it scheduled before the end of the month, you can get 0% financing for 36 months. Still got some time to do it. Seven days left, 0% financing for 36 months. Go to PELLAWI.com or call them, 855-PELLA-WI, and remember... They just added a big brand-new showroom up in the Stevens Point area, so you don't have to go to Green Bay or Madison or Milwaukee to walk in and check it out or have somebody come to you. They have a new one up in Stevens Point, and, you know, they just opened it, and they hired a new general manager and such, and he needs the phone to ring. So if you're listening to us in Marshfield or any one of those areas up there, they, they've now got a Pella Windows and Door dealer right there by you. Go to PellaWI.com. That is PellaWI.com. Chuck Freeman joining us next on the Bill Ready! This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. to have you back bill michael show the brewers have signed reese hoskins uh as their first baseman he is the uh it's not we, we talked about this yesterday he is uh not a uh, not a bad signing he's got a little bit of pop coming off of an injury uh, needs kind of a prove-it deal brewers getting for a two-year deal not a bad way to go. Joining us on the hotline, our guy, uh, our buddy uh, Chuck Freeman from the Locked On Brewers podcast. You can uh, always see his stuff over on YouTube and such. Freems, how you been, pal? We're getting closer and closer to opening day, aren't we, Bill? And uh, uh, I can't wait. Can't wait. I can't either. I'm waiting uh, either. for uh, for the gang over to the Brewers to let me know what's a good week to head out to spring training, so the booth is open, so we can do some broadcasts out there. But I'm, you know, Ken, our, our buddy Ken Spindler is the guy that's in charge of that, so I'm waiting for Kenny to get back to me. 
There we go. There we go. Did, did you do the show right during right during a game? Um, no, because uh, out there they're a couple of hours ahead at that time, so okay. uh, they don't. Uh, it'll be done at noon, so I'll be getting right. out of there about the time that uh, they're actually opening things up uh, to the rest of the broadcast stuff. So um, I'm, you know, and I've done it from. You know, uh, Mark Sweet and the, uh, you know, the, uh, what is it, the utility television suite and stuff. Mm -hmm. I've done shows from different, different things down there. You have too. I mean, you've done it down there before. Yeah. Well, I'm trying so, to figure out know. why I'm good, when I'm going to go down there because I, you know, with, with March Madness and all, I try to squeeze in a few days. I haven't been there in God, about 10 right. years. So right. I, I got to find out maybe if you're down there, I'll make, a, I'll try to cinch it up so I can stop by a yeah. few times. I'm just waiting for Kenny to let me know, and then uh, yeah, we we'll, we'll get it going. So uh, what do you make of the uh, Reese Hoskins signing? I love it. You know, with the Milwaukee Brewers, too. with the Milwaukee Brewers, Bill, as much as we love them, you always have to take <laughs> a deep breath anytime they make a move. It's like, oh, boy, how's this going to work? But I love it. Uh, hard to believe that this is the, the highest paid free agent the Brewers have ever signed. Not you know, Not one of their own guys, but you know, going out on the market – uh, 17 million. I think the previous high was uh, the Lorenzo Kane deal, but 17 million uh, over, you know, 34 million over two years. I love it. I think this is, uh, and people are saying, well, you know, he's got a buyout at the end of uh, the year. I don't care. That that's fine. Let's worry about first base right now. But he's a guy you can put at first base. who's going to hit you 30, 35 home runs. I think at Amfam Field, you could DH him. He's not a great fielding first baseman, but you add a power bat, a right-handed power bat, into the middle of that lineup. They needed that, Bill. I agree, uh, and I've said you got to have something out of your corners. Uh, yeah. You've been looking, you've been lacking power at first. I mean, Rowdy was power, but if you're only going to hit 20 home runs and hit 208, that's not providing you anything. And you're not getting power out of the third base position. You need, you know, up the gut, you need good defense. They always say you start in the middle and you work your way out. Up the gut, you've got two. You got a good shortstop. You got a good second baseman. Defensively, you're really good. You've got tons of speed to spare in the outfield right now, but you need some more pop, and and this gives you a little bit of that pop at that first base position that's been lacking for quite some time. Yeah, they haven't had that really on a consistent basis since Prince Fielder. We've tried a few different things. You know, we all liked our Eric Thames. We love that. Uh, you know, a few other guys, Rowdy, who put it in there for a little bit. I didn't think he was going to be long term answer, but with this here. Yeah, he's not here for a long time, but he's here for a short time, and he's here for a good time, and hopefully he provides some of those at-bats coming in the middle of that order. Who is the third baseman right now? Who would you put over at third? Well, that's funny because I was addressing that on Lockdown Brewers. It's like, all right, I got the first base <laughs> spot. Yeah, I got the first base spot all lined up. Shortstop, it appears Willie Adamas. I don't know if you saw those reports, Bill, and, and, yeah. and Willie, it sounds like he's off the trade block. The teams have stopped coming at the Brewers and saying, hey, mm -hmm. uh, what do you want for Willie? So if you got the first and th shortstop all lined up, third base, I I, I kind of go on my podcast and I talk about, you know, they can't go down the Andrew Monasterio road once again. Yeah, right. he was a nice little story. He overperformed what we thought he was going to do because nobody a year ago today ever heard of the guy. Um, but maybe with signing Reese Hoskins, and you didn't have to give me anybody up, any personnel up for Hoskins. Now maybe you can go out and make a trade. We'll see. You got a lot of outfielders you can still trade. There's a few guys out there yeah. you might want to deal. Um, got to got to fix the third base spot right right now. Where third and first base were a gaping hole 24 hours ago. Bill, third base. If you want to contend, you got to be strong at the corners. You got to be strong everywhere, mm -hmm. but you got to be strong, especially at the corners, Bill. And I thought in the last few years they haven't been. 
But I feel like if if they can go out and somehow pull off some sort of deal, but right now I don't like I didn't even like last year going into it with Urias at third base. I thought, gosh, can't they do better than that? And it right. turned out it was right. He was he was a big failure at third base. I am I believe it or not, I'm I'm excited because you've got Christian Yelich who you can DH or play in the outfield. You've got obviously you're gonna get Garrett Mitchell back. Uh, you still have the young guy in Bryce Terang, who's a defensive gem. He just got appearing up the average over at second base. Uh, Jackson Churio is going to be a guy. You've got, like you mentioned, Willie Adamas. Hoskins over at first. Sal Freelich is going to be there. You know, William Contreras was, man, what a find they got in bringing yeah. him in last year. There's a lot of good things right now, and you're just looking for that stability over at third base. And I think then you can pretty – and, you know, barring – uh, a pitching breakdown. You still have Corbin Burns and Peralta and Wade Miley and stuff, but with a barring a breakdown, I, I, I'm optimistic about this team. I mean, aren't especially, you? Yeah, especially the bullpen. I mean, the bullpen was so great. The pitching was just fantastic last year. You know, you hope that you know Uribe takes another step in his yeah. progress as a closer, and uh, you know maybe he's the closer of the future. Devin Williams. You know, we, we know he's going to be mm-hmm. great. Uh, and and the rest of the guys, the Hobie Milners, the you know the middle middle relief guys, you know hold their own as well like they did last year. But you add that, and yeah, the Brewers. It's been an uneventful off season so far, but I think it's been that way for a lot of lot of teams in baseball. Bill, I think a lot of free agents holding their own cards out there, and teams doing the same thing. And now the Brewers signing Hoskins, and you know we're drawing closer to spring training, and sometimes you know we got to get these rosters straightened out. And and I think one thing with a Hoskins move too, Bill. You keep him away from the cup. Nope. Did we lose Chuck? I see him on our video call. He's still talking. Okay. Hey, Chuck, we Sounds... we lost you. Chuck, Chuck, you there? Chuck, I see on the screen. Chuck, you muted yourself. Yeah. Chuck. I think, we, I you think mute, we lost Chuck. You muted yourself, Chuck. I don't know how. You fat finger yeah. a key. Uh, give me a sec. I'll get him back. Yeah. Maybe uh, some, Maybe whatever dialed up didn't didn't work, but whatever it was. Huh. Interesting. Because all of a sudden, he just went boom. And, you know, what's funny is uh, the reason I thought we lost him, I thought it maybe it was me. That's the same sound it makes as sometimes the signal drops on my end. But, you know, we'll, we'll see about getting Chuck back. Let's do this. Let's get Chuck back. In the meantime, we'll take a quick break because, uh, because we can. We're at the bottom of the hour. I'd love to continue the discussion regarding uh, what's going on Brewers-wise. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael. Ready! This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. Good to have you. Bill Michael Show. We uh, we continue on. Bringing back uh, our buddy Chuck Freeman uh, from the Lockdown Brewers podcast. And uh, so, Chuck, uh, we were sitting there talking about, uh, you know, kind of the next step with his team and how much uh, optimism we have for the upcoming season. And I am. I'm, I'm, I'm really optimistic about the upcoming season. You were talking about the, the, the you know, the pitching staff. Uh, to me, mm-hmm. and I agree with you, I mean, I think their pitching staff, uh, their starting rotation, two, three deep, as you know, knock on wood, no injuries, I think they're going to be good. When you talked about uh, the, uh, the the youngster coming up and, and maybe they can actually add some, Peguero asks, actually adding some depth to that bullpen, I can see him going to even being an eighth-inning setup kind of guy. You know what I mean? Boy, you talk about – that goes back to when they had, you know, Devin Williams setting up Josh Hader. And that was a, such a I mean, because all you had to do was play seven innings of baseball, and then you pretty much owned it after that. I'd love to see Uribe kind of work, or uh, um, Uribe work, Abner Uribe, not Pagero, uh work his way into that. 
Yeah, I, th- I think that's that, I think that's the plan. Um, I, I could see that happening, uh, being the eighth inning guy and a guy who's going to come in there and you know hold the fort down until Devin in, in the ninth inning. You know, he played a little of that role last year. Uh, but I, without question, I think there's a lot. You know, I think going into the off season, you know, you looked at the Brewers and you say, well, they need to make some moves here and there. Well, they lost their manager. Uh, thought out Brandon Woodruff wasn't coming back, so he took a couple of uh, hits. But now you got to counter and and, uh, and and counter those moves. And and I think with Hoskins and and the bullpen, you just never know from year to year what you're going to get from a bullpen. I mean, one year a bullpen could be great, and then the next year. Uh, just could lose it. And I'm not talking about the closer. I'm talking about other guys mm-hmm. because you need the setup guys to have big years too. You need to have, yeah. you, you know, you can't have a setup guy come up and blow it, you know, blow open a tight game by giving up a four spot. You just, you know, you can't have that happen or just struggle. You need all those guys to contribute to a, a, a solid team. And I think that, that that remains to be seen with this Brewers, but I, they do have some nice pieces out there, obviously. Let me ask you, who has kind of like closed the gap in the National League Central, do you think? Because I, I was, you remember our, our good friend Mark Reardon from years gone by? I was on his show down at KMOX down in St. Louis last week, and they were talking a little bit about did they close the gap, uh, you know, because they were so bad last year and it just went so wrong in a lot of different ways. They feel they've gotten a little bit better. They still don't feel like they're on the Brewers level. Uh, I we're waiting to see what kind of a, a step the Cubs are going to take with Craig Council, and then there's the Reds that look they had good hitting, they just didn't have much pitching last year. Who closed the gap? Do you think? I think the Cincinnati Reds are, are a team that is on the climb now. Did they fix their pitching enough in the off season? Uh, you know, I, I, their, their off season has certainly been better than it was last year, uh, but it, I, I think they're another team that if I look at this division. Who is the who is the team that I look at? Not fear, but who could unseat the Brewers as division champs? I I think it's the Cincinnati Reds. I just think that they've they've done a few things. You know, I mean, Joey Votto's not coming back to the team, but uh, you know, he's on the downside of his career. But you look at the Reds, and if their pitching holds up, they're going to be a bona fide contender. I think the over and under for wins for them was like oh, uh, like eighty one or so, but. I think the Reds tease us a little bit with what they did. They contended with the Brewers. Uh, and then, you know, finally the Brewers boat race past them. But, yeah, I think the Reds and you know, the Cubs, they gotten a little bit better here in the offseason. They haven't made any major, major moves. The Cardinals and went out and got Sonny Gray. And I don't think the Cardinals are going to be as bad. So, yeah, I, I think once, you know, with your team, not only do you have to eat better, but you got to see what the Joneses are doing. And, you know, some of the Joneses in the division did get better. But I think the Reds right now, I, I look at them as the one team that, you know, possibly did the most here in the offseason. So let me go back to the Brewers real quick because you and I are kind of feeling confident about things and the Hoskins uh, signing mm-hmm. over at first base. Do you think that the Brewers are – because you had mentioned it too, that it, the market's been kind of quiet. I mean, general managers – this was what we went through last year. Remember there was this whole talk of collusion and trying to drive down mm-hmm. the price and so many free agents were, were not even in camp come spring training for a lot of teams. Do you, I mean, is this becoming the norm now? Do you think? Yes. It seems like, you know, when free agency, you know, back in the day, it was like, well, it was a race to get these guys. And and in December uh, at the baseball winter meetings and when free agency opened up, you'd see teams dive after some of these players. Okay. You see the the, the big ones, you know, they get signed early, but now it's like a waiting game. And I think teams are just, you know, some of the big ones want to spend, like the Dodgers and all that. But you know, mm-hmm. then there's a, 
in that second tier where it's like, okay, let's just hold our cards here and see if we can make a trade or if, if, if free agency is the last thing we could do. I think with the Brewers, they looked at it and said, well, I, I'm sure they probably tried to get the – they looked at the first base spot and said, well, we can't go into the season with Jake Bowers as a first baseman. I mean, there's Owen Miller. I mean, that's not going to get done. Uh, we had one of the worst – one of the worst productive first base spots in baseball last year. So they looked around, you know, probably tried to make a trade or two and see what they could do. And finally they looked at some of their alternatives and said, well, this is what we have to do. And of course, as always, you have to run through Mark Atanasio and he had to give the go ahead. I think some people are shocked that Atanasio would do this, but Hey, you know what? You got to contend. You got to, um, you got to please the fan base. You got to contend. You got to fill that spot. This is a real good move. You got to take a splash. And, and to, to me, the, a, a move like this for the Brewers is a, is a splash move. Now, he's been burned before on splash moves. More often than not, he has been burned. Hopefully, this one doesn't come back and get him because I, we, don't need, we don't need our owner to be gun-shy signing guys because, you know, if you, 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 have to, you have to do moves like this. You have to make certain moves like this to fix your team and um, the way the baseball game is structured. And this is one of those moves you had to make. So let me ask you real quick before I let you go, and that is when you look at the starting pitching, if there is an injury, and we mentioned it, like last year you kind of had a mm-hmm. plethora of guys that could start, who do they have right now down in the minors that is would be somebody that would be ready to kind of come up? Who do you think? Well, they, they have a kid by the name of Robert Gasser who seems to be a fast riser uh, in their organization. Um, kid out of Colorado, out of California, uh, putting up some nice numbers in the minor league system. Uh, last year was, uh, I believe, 9-1, and one, ERA just under four, uh, left-handed pitcher. He's a guy who's, you know, you might be in that starting rotation once the season starts. Uh, he's a guy, uh, Jacob Mizorowski, who I look as more of a, of a bullpen guy coming up, mm-hmm. but a guy who throws 100. He's considered one of the top right-handed prospects uh, in Major League Baseball that the Brewers have um, you know, in their, in their coffers there. So I look at those two guys, Gasser and Mizorowski are two players who will be invited to camp as not roster invitees. And, uh, you know, we'll see how, and get in a few minor league games and see what they have here. Maybe it's not their time. I think it's more Gasser's time than Mizorowski, but Mizorowski, we'll see him on the roster guy who throws a hundred and has got a, a real good curveball. Chuck, always good to talk to you, my friend. I appreciate it. Uh, you and I both are excited about first base. They solidify third base, and it. I think we've got, a, for the first time in a while, you got a pretty solid team coming into the season. Knock on wood, injuries don't take their toll. You got that, and hopefully the Brewers have a move or two before we hit, to, uh, before we hit the spring training. Yep, yep, no doubt. And then uh, they can find your podcast yep. and all the good stuff over there on YouTube, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, go, to Lockdown, go to YouTube, search Lockdown Brewers, uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, Lockdown Brewers, where they're all, all off-season. Just drop the podcast on, on the whole Reese Hoskins sign, signing. Um, but do that after the Bill Michael show is off the air. You know, with all due respect, <laughs> they do it after Bill shows off the air. And, then of course, go to Google, Spotify, Apple, and, uh, you know, anytime, not name the midday if you want to download those episodes. And uh, when you're not listening to Bill or you're not listening to our, or listening to our boy, Grant Bilzey, uh, right. Just uh, download our episodes and we're all there. Excellent stuff. Chucker, uh, I love talking to you, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, okay? All right, Bill. Take care. Appreciate it. There you go. Chuck Freeman from the Lockdown Brewers podcast. Like he said, you can find it just about where every podcast is. And then they have it on YouTube, on their YouTube channel as well. So some good stuff over there. And always appreciate it whenever we get a chance to get Chuck on the air with us and uh, talk a little Brewers baseball. And obviously with the, the Reese Heisken signing. 
that was uh, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. So it was good to get him on and to chat a little bit about that. Let's do this. We'll step out. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Wrap things up. Maybe we missed a few things today. We haven't done it in a while. What do we miss today? That's coming up next on the Bill Michael. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Hey, if you're out and about today, uh, maybe tomorrow, over the weekend, checking out maybe the, the Bucks game tonight, you're looking for a place to go. You're in the Menominee Falls, Brookfield area. You can head over to the Social House, H-A-U-S, Social House. Dan Dell and the staff willing to take care of you, looking for great people. And in addition to that, they have some really good food. I, me, I've always been a big uh, fan of the Tiger Burger. <laughs> you know that. I talk about it all the time. But they have just such good food, and they've changed their menu up a little bit, and some new appetizers and such. So they've got a lot of good stuff over at the social house. And it's just a great place. Just a great place with just a, a great atmosphere and uh, some really, really even better people. So good stuff over there at the social house, H-A-U-S, on Lisbon Road. They had the uh, the Granny Bingo last night, and I saw some of the pictures of that. Yeah, that was a hit. Man, they had a lot of people there for that thing. Um, What else do we have? Do uh, let Anything specific that we missed today, Grant Bills, what do we miss? Uh, well, there's been so much going on. We've been reacting to it all kind of in real time. One detail, I guess, of the Doc Rivers hiring that's been now made official that we didn't talk about. Jake Fisher, who's at Yahoo, reported this today. He's actually on my show tonight. Shameless plug. I was going to talk about this, but he's reporting that this is the beginning of something for the Bucks that they're going to look to now make some moves. Uh, and just to paraphrase what he wrote really quickly, they're exploring a range of options to improve their perimeter defense. They've contacted various teams. They've offered their second-round pick in combination with Pat Connaughton and Cameron Payne, a couple other players. They are looking to target players like Matisse Tybel, P.J. Tucker, and Alex Caruso. So P.J. Tucker. They're going to look to make some moves, it seems like. This is the beginning of maybe some adjustments and changes a couple months into the season. P.J. Tucker was the badass. He was that guy. Now, P.J. Tucker worked really good with some of the other guys in that team. So some of the guys you're talking about getting rid of, I mean, I know you can't get something for nothing, but uh, P.J. Tucker's a guy that worked really good with Bobby Portis. And those two worked really good together in conjunction with one another when it came to playing defense and, and kind of doing all the dirty work. So you'd hate to see Bobby Portis go, but P.J. Tucker was, he was, he was a man. So, yeah, I can, uh, I can see them not wanting to stop, but I uh, it, it – in other words, hey, it wasn't just the coach. There's other personnel here that we need to change out. I, I think it's both, for sure. I think a coach is an important first step. Like, I, I think Adrian Griffin was not doing a very good job. We could talk about how the process was clunky and, and kind of makes the Bucks look a little wishy-washy and, and maybe a little right. dysfunctional. But, but that's not what we're talking about. P.J. Tucker, I was watching the Clippers-Lakers last night before bed. P.J. Tucker hasn't been playing a lot. Clippers are really deep. And they're playing really well. They don't really need P.J. Tucker. I don't think it made sense for the Bucks to sign P.J. Tucker to the deal that he got with Miami after he left. And P.J. Tucker made less sense on a Drew Holiday team because they need the offense. Now they got Dame. So they can afford right. to have P.J. Tucker running around out there and, and not doing as much on offense. I think it makes sense, and I don't think it would cost a ton. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I just uh, I know that there's that feel that they have with P.J. Tucker and Bobby Portis and, and those – 
those two guys together were they were a, a defensive handful because they loved doing the dirty work, and that's not something that usually offensive players like doing. So yeah. I, I get it. So a little bit of news there. Uh, in case you're just tuning in, yes, Doc uh, Rivers is the new head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. And, and we haven't had, like, any kind of a, a quick press or anything, have we, today that we missed? Nothing yet. I, I think John Horse is going to speak. I think the email said 5 o'clock, 5.15 tonight he's going to speak. He's going to do a press conference. Not with Doc Rivers, I would assume. I assume that Joe Pratt yeah. is coaching tonight, tonight's game. I guess I didn't think about it till now. Yeah, because Bucks play tonight, for those that don't know. The Bucks are taking on the Cavaliers at home. Uh, the Bucks thirty and thirteen, Cavaliers twenty six and fifteen. Not a bad team, uh, as we know. But uh, tonight uh, they're down at the Pfizer Forum. Seven o'clock tonight is the tip off. So five o'clock, uh, John Horse is going to discuss and he'll talk about uh, the new head coach and what went on and why it went on and all that kind of good stuff coming up a little bit later on the night. So that's going to be something that you're going to want to follow. Don't forget tonight six to eight, we've got the, the Bill Michaels huddle. Uh, our second to last one of the season coming up tonight, and uh, Mike Clemens will definitely be joining us. Uh, there's a lot that's gone on. Obviously, the uh, I don't want to say the firing, but they are not re you know bringing back and or the return of Joe Barry. But uh, there was a lot of skeptic- skepticism out there. It, was this or was this not the end of his contract? Because originally we were led to believe that it was, and then it was well he had another year and but. If he's not returning, did they fire him or did his contract run out? We don't know. So uh, we'll talk with Mike about that coming up tonight. And then, obviously, the new hunt for next, uh, the next defensive coordinator is now on in Green Bay and who that may be as the season winds down. We'll get Mike's perspective on all of this. Mike's just uh, got back from San Francisco and, you know, got his thoughts on all of this. And then we'll start to look forward, obviously, to uh, the NFC and the AFC championship games. We'll start to make those picks coming up tonight. And then next week will be about basically as the search goes on for defensive coordinator and changes with no Chris Gizzy. For those that didn't know, the strength and conditioning coach of the Packers was also let go. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then uh, we'll get Mike's take next week on uh, the Super Bowl. And then obviously the matchups. And then as we head out on uh, on next oh – God, I can't believe it's a week from Friday. We're getting out of town. A week from oh, – actually, a week from Saturday. We're getting out of town. And heading out there, but we're going to be out there covering that uh, beginning to end. So, and Mike will be on the ground out there for the Super Bowl. And uh, then we'll be covering it the day after as well, uh, as Mike will be on the ground still out in Vegas. So, got a lot uh, lot of stuff upcoming for sure. So, that's all coming up tonight on on the Bill Michaels Huddle. So, we have that as well. Um, Just kind of wrapping a few things up. Had a lot of emails and such uh, today, which uh, thanks to everybody. Uh, but uh, just a little uh, perspective, uh, Michael said, uh, don't forget, uh, Chris Gizzy was the Air Force Academy, 94 through 97. That's the reason he held the flag after 9-11. I knew it was something with military. I couldn't remember if he was in the military or if he had a brother that was in the military. But, Mike, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the clarification. I couldn't remember on that specifically. Um, unit, um, Mike's brother is the wide receivers coach with the Packers. Could be an interesting ad to have uh, Mike in Green Bay, Vrabel meaning as well that was from thomas a little bit earlier today and uh, matthew says hearing people complain about the possible defensive coordinators without saying who they even want reminds me of the teddy roosevelt quote those who complain without offering a solution are just whining right that that's i'm going to use that a lot i'm going to use it a lot also my vote is for uh, vrabel younger re, uh, relatable to the players won a championship so he knows what it takes he strikes me as a hard-nosed grind out beat you in the trenches kind of guy that is from matt in eau claire There you go. That'll do it. 
Until we talk again four hours from right now when we get back for the Bill Michaels Huddle. Good stuff today for everybody on the stream and such. Thanks for uh, watching. Thanks for listening. Time for us to get out of here. Have a go. See you.